delighted to be here with you. Tried to come just before COVID or at COVID. Tried to come early February and I'm so glad I'm with you. I feel like God has something for your hearts today. Quick question. Did you record that introduction? I want to give it to my mother-in-law because it was such a... <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> when I come into this congregation, I feel the love of God. I feel the love of God. And, and a love for people. And I want to honor your leaders. Jonathan Lindry starts with you guys. The way you love God and the way you love people. And, and it's not just a love for God. There's an excellence here which glorifies God. You know, you're an excellence is you can be doing church under a tree and it can be excellent. Because you're doing everything for his honor and, and his glory. So just the way you make church happen, all of you together. When you speak about family, it's real. There's a love for God, and there's a love for people, and there's an excellence. So, I honor you. Quick introduction to my family. Been married to Nicola. She's going to join us for Coffee Kea, but later she was ministering in Rosebank. Nicola and I have been married 31 years. We have been through a mysterious time. She got a back injury, had an operation. They say it was a success, but she's lived in pain for the last seven years. A um, lot of meds, challenging. Yet God continues to use her. The woman that she disciples, the people that she leads to the Lord on Friday night, she's like joyfully making food for 60 people because we've got this incredible homeless program. We've seen so many people come to the Lord and get discipled. Um, and she's joyfully making food. She's finished on Saturday afternoon, but my wife is an incredible intercessor, and I'm married up, you know, like those people who's, you know, you're married above your pay grade, but that's me. So. <laughs> then um, the, we, we, we hope for two boys and two girls, and uh, we only got two boys, and uh, both our sons married incredible women. So we wanted our sons to, let me back up and just tell you about our sons first. Just, we wanted them to experience um, Afrikaans culture. They were raised in a multicultural church, um, ch a school, government school that was maybe 30% white, 30% black, 30% colored. So we had a lot of kids at our house. And then we wanted them to experience Afrikaans culture because they didn't have it, the, the beauty and the excellence of Afrikaans culture. So we sent them to Stellenbosch. When they would come back in like second year and third year, all their English friends were like, teach us how to soki. Because you must see my boys soki. They can dance. They can dance. So much so that the Platlands and Macy's, they eventually came to them and said, show us your moves. So anyway, they both married up. James and Amy on the left. Um, he's a consultant, works for one of the big four auditing firms. Amy's a doctor. And they've been part of a church plant into City Bowl. So many young people in the last two, three years have come to the Lord at City Bowl. They're about to multiply into Newlands, and it's really been to God's glory. And the other couple, Sean and Laura, 
Jonkertrout, about a year and a half. Um, Sean is in campus ministry on Stellenbosch. And although he's not very tall, he's, he's dynamite. And he's leading about 30 men going out onto the Roy Plain. And they are just seeing a harvest of people coming to the Lord and getting saved. Um, and Laura, his wife, is a school teacher. And she's beautiful and amazing. Let me confess something to you. And as I confess this, I pray that you'll still listen to the sermon after I've confessed this to you, okay? This is to encourage you as parents. As beautiful as they are now, there was a season when, and I won't say which one of my sons, when he had come home from Vasti, and I would pray that I wouldn't say something to him that I deeply regret or that I wouldn't punch him. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not a violent person, okay? And I'm not defending this. There was so much stuff and arrogance and the way he'd be towards Nicola that I said, Lord, just help me. Lord, let me not do something. And I say that to you if you're wrestling for your children, if you are trusting for breakthrough. The power of prayer and the power of community. We used to, we used to take them hiking. My friend, two, two friends of mine and their boys, and we'd sit around the fire, and they thought we were having fireside conversation. We had this thing pre-wired. <laughs> pre-wired. Uh, they just think we're telling stories. We would tell them about mistakes we'd made with relationships, mistakes we'd made at school, whatever. So the power of prayer and the power of community for you. So if you are wrestling with your kids, don't give up. Don't give up. Last thought, um, do you know the difference between the word complete and finished in English? It's, do you know the story? So if you marry a woman and you love her well and she loves God, you'll be complete. But if One, two, one, two. Okay, so let me say that again. So if you marry a, a woman and you love her well and she loves God, you'll be complete. But if you marry a woman and you don't love her well and she doesn't love God, you're finished. <laughs> but if you marry a woman who doesn't love God and you don't love well and she doesn't love you, then you're completely finished. <laughs> I'm going to take you to a time in Israel's existence. The northern kingdom is separated from the southern kingdom. And there's idolatry in the northern kingdom. And a king arises. Let's go to that slide. A king arises and his name is Omri. And it said this of Omri. 1 Kings 16 verse 25. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and sinned more than all of those before him. So things are bad. Omri then has a son. He's the legendary or notorious Ahab. Okay, so if Omri was bad, then it says this about Ahab. Verse 30. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So his father was bad, but he's even worse. See what God does. 
because Israel's turning from the Lord, they're turning to idolatry, and lest we judge them, our careers can be idolatry. Finances can be idolatry. Even your marriage can be idolatry. Your children can be idolatry. God raises up a man, man or woman who raises up a man. Elijah, he's from the wrong side of the track. He's from the other side of the Jordan, from Gilead. There's no reference to his father or mother, so you know maybe it was controversial. Maybe there was something on him. God raises him up, and you know God wants to raise you up to be a vessel. And he brings God's correction to Israel. Sometimes God deals with us to correct us, not to punish us. He brings the correction of the Lord to Israel, and he says, no rain. And immediately there's no rain. And we track the story of Elijah, how he goes down to the brook, and he's fed there by ravens. And then he ends up traveling north into Sidonia and he has that thing with the jar that never stops pouring oil and meal. You remember that story? Widow's son dies. He raises the widow's son f- from the dead. And finally, God speaks to him three years later. And he says, go down to Israel. Go back to Ahab. Because God wants to bring the nation to him. So he says, bring your prophets. So 850 of these dark witchcraft prophets are brought And they have this showdown. And these prophets of Baal call out to their God for nearly a full day. And they cut their arms. And and Elijah mocks them. I mean, you just read it. He goes like, maybe Meshat Lada. Maybe your God is sleeping. (laughs) Maybe he's gone to the bathroom. I mean, it's like. (laughs) And then it comes to his moment. And he cries out to the Lord. and, And let's read what happens. 1 Kings 18 verse 21. And Elijah came near to all the people and he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah cries out. He pours water all over the altar so there's no trick. He didn't drop a match. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The nation turns to God. Seems like everybody. Elijah seems to be on top of his game. Have you ever seen or felt like you're on top of your game? And then all of a sudden you get hit with a curveball. He's done all these things. And now he faces a moment that's surprising. Jezebel, this pagan princess, and Ahab. Jezebel represents the enemy, so does Ahab. And she's intent on bringing him down. And we do well to recognize the enemy. Not to be unwise as to his plans. Not to be obsessed with demons and things like that. But to understand the plans of the enemy. Jezebel had a number of tricks up her sleeve. With Jehu, she had temptation. With Ahab, and uh, there was lies, manipulation, slow corruption. And with Elijah, there was intimidation, fear, depression, and loneliness. 
So then Jezebel sends a message to Elijah and she says this, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And look at this. It says, then he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba. So it's from Mount Carmel, far north Israel, through Judah, all the way down through the desert to Beersheba. And he left his servant there. He himself went today's journey to the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die. It is enough now, Lord. Take my life away. Paul writes about it and he says, for, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Um, don't, don't lift up your hands. But we get to a place where we say, it's enough, Lord. <laughs> If I could go home now, it would be great. <laughs> you know, me and my family. Jesus, if you would return now, it would be amazing. And Elijah finds himself in this place of desperation. And he says, take my life, Lord. I'm no better than my ancestors. We all have moments in our life. And I want to focus on what did Elijah do to get himself into this desperate place? And what does God do? What is the path to lift us back into that sweet place with him? In Matthew 12, it says this, and this is to you if you're here today and you're feeling bruised, you're feeling broken, you're feeling discouraged. Jesus said this, a bruised reed he will not break. Like a piece of bamboo that's been bent over. You know, it's useless. For, it's useless. Can't use it for anything. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick, imagine load shedding and a little candle or a light that's bringing no light but just, just smoke. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. You might feel useless, you might feel bruised. But the promise of God is a bruised reed, he will not break. He will not snap you off. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. Paul writes, he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Then he says, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Even if you're down, you're not out. Even if you're fearful and you're weak, you're not alone. In our darkest hours, God is there. There's a story Mom's in the kitchen, and she says to Johnny, go into the pantry and get a little can of soup. And Johnny says, I'm afraid. Mommy says, no, go. Jesus is there. So Johnny goes to the door of the pantry and goes, Jesus, please pass me the tomato soup. <laughs> we laugh. We need to understand this. Our feelings are important, but our feelings don't define us. God was with Elijah in his darkest hours, and he was with him in this attack, in this fear, in this discouragement. And I can imagine he was considering the nation. He was considering what was happening, and it had just worn him down. You know, Jesus on the last night says, I'm despairing unto death. Remember that? Jesus, the perfect man, was despairing unto death. 
So what is it saying? Good to, not good, but it's good to identify your emotions. We have emotions. Good to identify your emotions, but it's good to do what Jesus did. Jesus framed himself, and I'm jumping ahead to some of the solutions. He framed himself with prayer. He framed himself with family, with spiritual family. And he framed himself with the word of God in his darkest hour. Okay, what was the mistakes? How did Elijah get himself in this mess? Firstly, he listened to the wrong voices. All of a sudden, he's listening to the voice of Jezebel more than the voice of God. Whether it's fear, whether it's intimidation, whether it's saying you're not good enough, your life isn't going to work out. The enemy would try to be loud in our heads. Now, I had a season, I was so fixated on the news, and God just spoke to me and said, you know, it's okay to know what's going on. I mean, Abraham faced the brutal facts, it says, but his eyes were on God. Good to be aware of situations, but so good to have one voice in your head and heart, and that's the voice of God over your situation, that he is loving and he's faithful and he'll never leave you. Secondly, he presumed the outcome. With Nicola and I, we are trusting for God to come through for healing. We are trusting. We're believing. But just because God doesn't answer you exactly the way you want him to, are you going to give up on God? No. I've got questions for God that one day when I see him in glory, he'll answer. Elijah probably expected Jezebel and Ahab to fall on their knees. Now when things didn't go exactly according to his plan, now he's discouraged. When God doesn't answer you exactly the way you want it, don't give up. Don't give up on God. He is good. He will answer you. But don't presume the outcome. Continue to guard your hearts. Third, he focused on the problem. Before that, he had focused on God. Now all of a sudden, he's focusing on the problem on this message that's coming against him and Jezebel's murderous threats. Fourthly, he focused on himself. When he was in the depths of his depression and self-pity, he starts to use the word I a whole lot. I'm the only one who's serving you, God. When we start thinking about I as opposed to thinking about we, the circle of your family, the circle of your church, the circle of your community, you start going down a deep spiral. Fifthly, he isolates himself. He runs, takes his servant, then leaves his servant and travels another full day. Proverbs 18 says this, he who separates himself seeks his own desires. He quarrels against all sound wisdoms. Do you have brothers in your life, men. Ladies, do you have sisters in your life who know you because you've opened up your heart to them? You know, having iron sharpening iron isn't for the good times. <laughs> you don't need it in the good times. It's for the difficult times. In the world we face trouble, but take heart of overcome the world, Jesus said. But we need family. We need spiritual family in these difficult times. Six, I believe Elijah started to slip into doing things for God and not with God. We don't get our identity. 
from what we do for God. We get our identity from him being sons and daughters of the Most High. The world says this, write this down because it's a little bit complicated. I do, I have, I am. That's what the world says. You've got to do things in order to have things. Money, career, status. I do things in order to have things, in order to, I am, be something. That's what the world shouts at you. But in God, it's, I am, because of what Jesus has done. And because of what I am, I do, as a natural overflow of, of worship to him. Because of who I am, I do. And then there's just a byproduct of I have the blessings of God on my life. Sixthly, he physically and he spiritually exhausted himself. Virtue had gone out of him. And we, need, we do well to watch our exhaustion levels and how much we are depleted. Let's look at God's solutions. Verse 5, we move to chapter 19. It says, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. It's like the non-keto diet, right? <laughs> he ate and he drank and he lay down, did it a few times. Then verse 8, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 11, then there was a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out. And he stood at the mouth of the cave. And he hears from God again. Let's look at the prescriptions. Let's look at the solution to get us out of discouragement, get us out of fear, get us out of physical exhaustion. First thing, get some refreshment and rest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is go to bed. Did you know that? <laughs> because of my age, my father got me this book. I just turned 59 on longevity. Okay. And uh, three things for longevity, exercise, sleep and diet and I know at, at a level that at some level this is deeper in terms of rest and refreshing resting in God resting your identity and eating the word of God but the initial plan for him was just simple just get some rest and refreshing second thing head for the mountain of God where do you hear from God Is anybody a bit ADD? I can be a bit ADD. All right. So I have to like put down my phone. When I, need to, when I really need to hear from God, I get out of the house and I walk around the block and, and walk around the block. Me heading for the mountain of God is heading for those places where there's no distraction. There's no cell phone. What is your place? Maybe it's a favorite chair. Maybe it's a favorite time of day. Maybe it's a place. Where do you hear from God? What is the mountain of God for you? Secular book, Atomic Habits. You know, our habits become who we are. And we've got to get into that habit 
of spending time with him, of going to the mountain of God. So second thing, he goes to the mountain of God, which is your Bible, your prayer time. Thirdly, hear his voice. The Lord was not in the fire, wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the wind. Learn to hear his voice. The great Dallas Willard. Anybody ever read Dallas Willard? It's outstanding. Dallas Willard is probably the, he's passed away now. He's probably the expert on Christian formation. And he says this, if you want to grow as a Christian, only two things are required. Two things are required. Are you able to hear God's voice? And do you do it? <laughs> I mean, it's like pretty simple. And by hear his voice, we're talking about your Bible, your pastor, your quiet time, the Holy Spirit. Do you hear the voice of God? But that's only half of it. And do you do it? So he goes to the mountain of God. God speaks. He hears the still small voice. Sometimes, and this is illustrative for us, God isn't in the fire. He's not in the lightning. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the wind. But it's a gentle whisper. Sometimes God says things to me that I'd prefer he didn't. Anybody else face that? <laughs> so there's the joke about the guy. Lord, what do you want me to do? Here I am. Speak to me. You know, he's crying out to God in church. You know, at night by himself. Got the keys in the church by himself. And he hears God say, sell all you have and go to Timbuktu. And he goes, is there anybody else out there? <laughs> when God speaks, will you listen? Will you listen and will you do? Sometimes for me, I don't know if I can give this to you theologically, but my experience, God speaks to me. And if I don't do it, then there's like a communication pause until I do the thing that he's asked me to do. And God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I mean, God's told him to go there, right? God's led him to the mountain of God. But now he says to him, what are you doing here? But it's a deeper question. What's your part in the mess that you got yourself into? Why were you listening to the wrong voices? Why did you allow yourself to get exhausted? In the Garden of Eden, God comes to Adam in the cool of the day and he says Adam where are you as if God didn't know where he was but he's saying Adam recognize and, and acknowledge and and say I'm, I'm struggling with this I'm I'm in this place I've sinned I've fallen when Jesus restores Peter remember what he says to him Peter do you love me feed my lambs second time Peter do you love me lead my sheep Peter do you love me feed my sheep and here God asks Elijah, he says, why, why are you here? There's this um, form of therapy, psychiatry, psychology. And listen, I believe in psychiatrists. I believe in psychologists, um, ideally Christian ones. There's this form of therapy. And I'm not saying this applies to these many different, these complications in, in people's lives and things aren't that simple. So this form of therapy only applies to certain circumstances, okay? So I'm giving a disclaimer. It's called reality therapy. You can read up about it. Okay. So in reality therapy, the therapist says to you, 
the reason why you're feeling bad is because you're doing bad things. <laughs> I know, we laugh. <laughs> and that's not always the case, all right? The reason why you're feeling, that's why I gave the disclaimer, the reason why you're feeling bad is you're doing bad things. You've made mistakes, and best you recognize it. Here God's doing some reality therapy on Elijah, getting him to, to face things that he might restore him and bring him to health. Next, get God's perspective. Elijah thought he was the only one. He's starting to move into like a victim mindset. We, we can be victimized. We can be victims, but we don't have to have a victim mindset. So here he is, the only one, and he was in touch with his feelings for sure, but he wasn't in touch with reality. Things weren't as bad as he thought. God, he says, I'm the only one. God says to him, there's 7,000 others who haven't bowed the knee. There's 7,000 that are with you, that are serving me, that are full on for me. I'm so grateful for Nicola. She's the voice of God to me in certain circumstances when I just need a bit of reality therapy. <laughs> I just need perspective on a situation and she just brings the word and, and brings clarity. Those men and women, those friends, those spouses in our lives who speak truth to our lives, they gold, they gold. Get God's perspective. And then sixthly, take obedient action and make disciples. Part of his restoration is go back and anoint Jehu and anoint Hazael. Go back and invest in other people's lives. There was a great psychiatrist at a psychiatric convention, and they said to him, okay, this is the situation. What would you do? How would you help? What would you say to this person? And the psychiatrist said, if, if they're standing right in front of me right now, yes, right here, right now. He said, what I'd tell them to do would be to turn around, walk out the door, walk two kilometers over the railroad track into the poor community, and I'd tell them to do a soup kitchen. The best thing for them would be to start to serve others, to make disciples. That's not what the psychiatrist said, but you get the point. So often our... Joy and fulfillment comes when we start to do the will of God. And Jesus said it himself, my food is to do the will of God. And for some of us, the breakthrough comes when we just do those simple things that we're meant to do. Sometimes I can be up and down emotionally, wake up, maybe I'm not feeling great, spend time with the Lord. Part of the, the restoration, just getting me back into the joy of the Lord is, I start to message people. I start to WhatsApp other people and I give them words of encouragement. Man, by the time I'm finished giving them, I'm encouraged. <laughs> I'm encouraged. Part of your restoration is for you to step up and step out and start to love others. Make disciples and do those things that God has called you to do. It's been said, we all draw a circle around us as to who we let in and who we care for and who we're responsible for. The only question is, how big is your circle? Is it just you? Your neighbor? Your neighborhood? Your city? I pray that we would open our hearts up. I pray we would open our hearts up. 
and take obedient action and make disciples. And in that we find joy and fulfillment. I mentioned to you, Nicola was exhausted yesterday afternoon after feeding the people and everything. But you know that happy exhaustion, <laughs> you know, of having done what you meant to do. Fulfilling the purpose of God. That's what our life is called to be. You know, one day when I'm, I don't know what time I'm, how old I'll be when I go, but I'm sitting on the stoop and I'm about to die. I want to hear the whisper of God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not because I'm earning brownie points, not because I have to, but out of love and out of gratitude for all that he's done for me. Bible says he who's been forgiven much loves much. Now, that's not saying that there's sin and then there's sin, sin, and then like terrible sin. We've all fallen short to the glory of God. It's just do you recognize his love and his grace and his kindness? And so is there gratitude in your heart for all that Jesus has done? Recap, or rather, just go to the next slide. Have you heard of Kintsugi? Kintsugi is a Japanese art form where there's this beautiful bowl and um, somebody breaks it. And then an artist takes it and takes gold, literally gold, and glue and rebuilds this vase or this jar, whatever it is. And you still see the cracks, but now it's been built up with gold. Yuna. We Kintsugi. <laughs> we were broken. And God has built us back together. And now, because of the blood of Jesus, we've been knitted back into something that is whole. And we lacquered, we covered with his gold. And now we're vessels that God can use for his glory. Recap. Some of you need to rest and refresh. Some of you need to get into better habits habit patterns of how you live your life. We all need to head to the mountain of God and create those atomic habits of how we live our lives because ultimately your habits are who you are. Ultimately, your habits are exactly your character and your life. We need to hear his voice, not just hear his voice, we need to do. We need to answer the question, own the stuff so we're not caught in the cycle of Britney Spears, I did it again. Okay, answer the question so you can learn. We need to get God's perspective, stop having a worldly perspective on our situation. We need to take obedient action and we need to make disciples. Can we pray together? Father, I pray your breath upon us. Pray your encouragement. I pray your strengthening. I pray your refreshing. Jesus, you didn't condemn Elijah, but you didn't leave him where he was. You restored him. If you're here today and this word has been for you. Either the stuff 
that Elijah did to get him into the situation, or you, or you need to take some of the medicine, I want to pray for you. If that's you, won't you just stand? Just stand now, I'm going to pray. So either you find yourself in some kind of desperate strait, some kind of discouragement, just stand to your feet now. Well, God is speaking to you about hearing his voice, about being obedient, your habit patterns, making disciples, reaching out to them, just stand to your feet. As you're standing, just lift up your arms. Father, thank you that you give grace and power to the weak. Even young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And Lord, as we, as we lift up our arms, Lord, we acknowledge our parts. We acknowledge our failings. We don't shy away from them. And we commit ourselves afresh, Lord God. And we ask for your Holy Spirit, for your presence, your power, your word to richly dwell in us. Come upon us, Holy Spirit. Lord, strengthen my brothers and sisters as they're standing here. Grace them, Lord God to hear your voice grace them to be obedient in what they're called to do grace them to make disciples Lord God and live out their lives from a place of joy from a place of gratitude from a place of thanksgiving I ask this in Jesus name Just switch the lights up, if you don't mind. And can we just bow our heads for a moment? One more thing I'd like to do. Just bow your heads. If you're here this morning and you know your life is not right with God, the Bible says, Jesus said this, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. And so there's a part of our Christian walk that, that's not just alone but it's consciously and actively and publicly declaring that we are giving ourselves to Jesus. So if you hear and you know you're far from him, maybe you've fallen away, maybe you've never surrendered to him, I want to give you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I need you, I want you. Understand this, you, you don't clean up your act first. <laughs> You can't. So don't let your sins and your habits hold you back. What's required is you just to say, that's me and I want Jesus. So if that's you, I want you to lift up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Three, four, five hands. Okay, I'm going to ask that we stand. This is just logistics. If you lifted up your hand, won't you come to the front and, and everybody stand, please. And as they come, can we celebrate? The Bible says the angels in heaven of rejoice over one sinner. If you lifted up your hand, won't you come to the front, please? Not going to embarrass you. Not going to embarrass you. 
Just come to the front, please. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. There are a couple other people. This is not the walk of shame. This is the walk of joy. This is the walk of being set free. We've all done this. If you lifted up your hand, just come to the front. One or two more people, unless I can't count. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This is from your heart to Jesus. But the Bible says we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouths. And we are saved and we're forgiven. Church, can you support them by praying this prayer aloud with them? Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn from my ways. Just pray this aloud. I turn from my ways. And I turn to follow you. I receive you as my Savior. I declare you are my Lord. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we pray for these men and women, Lord God. Lord, let the power of sin and darkness be broken off them. Lord, add them into community, Lord God. Add them into discipleship. And we pray from today, may they experience your life, your Zoe life, your abundant life. We bless them in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Is it? Will you go with with Uncle Peter? I'm gonna just pray with you a little bit more. Get your stuff if you've got handbags or any stuff, and just follow Peter. Peter, just lift up your hand. There we go. Okay, thank you, Pastor Jonathan.